and welcome to Series 5, Episode 8 of the Canny Conversations podcast, powered by The Pathway Group. My name's Mark Wakeley, and I'm one of the team who bring you these podcasts each week. In this series, Safras will be talking to some of the business people he's met and worked with in his 23 years at the heart of the West Midlands business community. In this second half of our conversation with Safraz Ali and Rachel Jagger-Thomas from JTL, they talk more about diversity and inclusion within the building, engineering and service sectors in the UK and how it can be improved and promoted. There is further discussion around the challenge of getting more women into technical trades, such as plumbing and electrical work, which have historically been male-dominated fields. Rachel talks about the importance of role models and tackling bias that have deterred women and other underrepresented groups from entering these careers. Rachel also highlights JTL's commitments to being a disability confident employer, advocating for more diversity through initiatives like the Multicultural Apprenticeship Alliance and influencing change within the sector. They talk about how work being done to make technical trades more welcoming for all, while acknowledging there are still challenges around perception, bias and stereotypes that need to be addressed. So let's hear more from Rachel and first of all, Safraz. Coming back to the UK here, you know, you're a pioneer within this field, but in terms of JTL and some of the challenges that JTL are having, mm-hmm. particularly in terms of getting more women in, mm. into the sector, there's a misconception, there's a misunderstanding in terms of the sector. So let's talk a little bit about that and we'll talk then about possibly other challenges that are that are in the sector and also JTL who are obviously leaders within mm. the sector that are having. Mm. So let's talk about, you know, again, you've, you've wrote a few articles and, you know, there's a lot of few blogs that JTL have, have written in terms of uh, lack of diversity, particularly women representation within the, yeah. within the industry. So what, what are the, what are the, what are the issues and the challenge and the misconceptions potentially within the building engineering services sector? Yeah. At the moment, the UK building engineering services sector is still predominantly male. And people will often say, oh, predominantly male. But basically, you know, it's still only 2% female. And yeah. if you think that we're in a, a, you know, a sector that's got, you know, over 2 million strong workforce and it's, you know, just only you know, over 320,000 women in the sector. It's just low. Mm. And is, that, is that changing though, Rachel, in terms of... It is. Yeah. It is starting to change. I think it's changing slowly, but it is starting to change. You know, there has been lots and lots of dialogue in construction, mm. in engineering. If you think about STEM, so, you know, yeah. science, technology, engineering, mathematics and medicine, yeah. about why we don't have as many women in the sector. There are lots of conversations uh, around, you know, trying to look in education, but changing the perceptions of what our careers that, that females go into as well. But one of the things that we still see quite a lot is, you know, you used to see things like, you know, people say, oh, girls don't do that kind of thing. Yeah. Girls don't do that. And it's like, why not? Mm. <laughs> why wouldn't you if you want yeah, to do it? Absolutely. Um, and some of it was... You know, it goes back to, I mean, one of the things we talk with our apprentices about and we talk with colleagues about is is we talk about things like bias. We talk about unconscious bias. We talk about, you know, what happens in the world around us, what messages we're we're getting. You know, girls play with pink toys, girls play with boo toys, all that Mm. sort of stuff, which Mm. I know is a dialogue Mm. that everybody's having now and saying, well, that isn't really the case anymore. But there are still, you know, lots of things that 
that sort of have carried through from previous generations and perceptions that, um, you know, we're all trying to tackle and change in terms of some of those attitudes. And it's, you know, there are huge shortages of engineers and, you know, women who are moving into into sort of careers. And we've got this huge ageing workforce. 51% of UK society identifies female, yet 2% of the women in our sector identify as female. There's, there's something that's Absolutely. really going on here. I've got some um, a number here, which I'm going to quote to you. I mean, when our researcher was doing some research on this, and they came across uh, the uh, direct line insurer, and they did a report which basically says that there's uh, more women now than ever before that have come into the field, mm-hmm. even though we've still got low numbers, but it's doubled within the, the last 10 years, mm. which is still something to, mm. to shout and celebrate about. You're absolutely right, Rachel. It you is. Know, it's not enough. No. But what we're finding is that there's more role models, a lot more female leaders winning awards in building engineering sector, uh, a lot more apprentices, you know, who have been nominated, shortlisted, winning awards. And you're finding there's more and more role models now. Mm. particularly in terms of these sectors, which have always been known as predominantly male-dominated. Mm. Uh, you know, Some of the stats are just, just really crazy. 1% mm. of women are plumbers, mm. uh, heating engineers, and the only 2% are electricians and electrical fitters. Yeah. And, and the opportunities for, the, yeah. for those areas in terms of uh, getting more diversity, and particularly where there's a shortage of skills, yeah. you know, shortage of labour. Yeah. And I think one of the things is as well, you know, you you often see in relation to that staff, you know, we, we quite often now we're having conversations with organisations who are saying, we would like to encourage more females to apply. Yeah. That's like, great. I mean, if you, you know, you look at some of the, the large uh, electrical companies in the UK, I can think of one this year that has made a very, very public statement that by mm. 2028, they want at least 25% of their workforce to identify as female. But it has taken years of having conversations for people to say, actually, this is right. And also having an honest and open dialogue. A lot of things were, you know, historically there used to be challenges around the fact that you you couldn't necessarily get PPE in different sizes. You didn't have a toilet on a site. You didn't have anywhere to get changed. You you know, these days you can get tools in different sizes, things Mm. like that. There were lots of things and and perceptions and things that have changed. So systemically the industry is looking at itself and saying, what can we do and how can we look to change? Um, And that is one of the things that's really important and really positive to see. But it takes years it to takes, challenge. It takes a lot longer than what the, we think. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. equally, as you say, you know, you're still talking one. I think it's around maybe now 2%. Hopefully Cent- we're getting towards okay. with, with plumbers. But it's equally if you can't see yourselves. It's like when we're talking, you know, when we talk a lot from the, uh, again, in terms of the Multicultural Apprentice Alliance, mm. and, and we talk about things, we talk about you can't be if you can't see it. And one of the things is role models are really, really important. But one of the things I also say that equally for me is important is people talk about a glass ceiling. Yeah. But I also talk with our role models who are new into the sector about a sticky carpet. Okay. <laughs> because if I have come to train and be a trades professional and get on with my career, I want to get on with my career. Yeah. I will want to support other people. I will be happy to share my story. But actually, it's not up to me to change the sector. It's up to the organisation I work with. It's up to people around me to support me and help amplify my message. And I think that's something that's really, really important because we want to see people coming into the industry supporting the, how it develops, but also we want to see their careers developing as well. We want to see them moving forward in terms of their careers. 
and that is something that is really really important Rachel, uh, at the beginning, we spoke about uh, uh, how many employers you service, and you mentioned three, nearly three and a half thousand employers yeah. that you're working with. Uh, some of them, obviously, SME businesses. Some of them are larger businesses. And uh, in terms of some of the conversations that the employers are having, mm-hmm. you know, particularly with regard to finding the right level of talent, upskilling people, mm-hmm. possibly reskilling other people who are, you know, outside the sector or reskilling them and getting them in the sector. What what are the sort of challenges and and some of those sort of conversations that that your customers, your employers are, are presently facing and having? Well, I think in terms of the conversations I have, Saf, I'm yeah. very much talking about it from a specific Diversity. a specific facet in terms of the work that I do on a day to day basis. I think some of it is still around challenging perceptions about what the work will entail. Yeah. Also, the construction sector and the industry is one that often requires uh, people to be quite mobile, for example, depending on the type of companies they work for. And it's not necessarily always a lifestyle that fits Mm. with work-life balance for some people. Yeah. So I think some of the conversations that I'm hearing in the sector are people actually sitting down and talking about how can we do the work that we do in a way that actually for men and women, um, you know, for anybody who pays perhaps a carer or has responsibilities, how we can support them in terms of some of the work-life balance. Yeah. How can we, we, we tackle some of the challenges that we, that we see there? Also, you know, qualifying as a plumber, you know, an electrician in particular, it takes four years. It, it's a large sure. commitment um, for people who perhaps are, are looking to, to say, retrain or have a career change. Um, they need to factor through what does it mean to move to work for an organisation where I'm going to be becoming an apprentice. Mm-hmm. From a financial perspective, what does it mean? So companies are currently looking at how do they support apprentices? How do they retain their apprentices? What can they do to support them? I hear lots of organisations who are doing amazing work in terms of looking at how they can uh, utilise work experience opportunities. Um, We hear about traineeships as well and people sort of offering opportunities for people to come and see what the sector is really like and to challenge people's perceptions of what the work is as well Mm. on both sides um, to challenge it and understand what it really is in terms of the work that they're going to be looking to do. So the sector, in terms of building services and engineering, I mean, it's 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 got a perception, hasn't it, which is possibly maybe not so diverse. It's mm-hmm. got a certain persona that people have, tough environment and so forth. Do you feel that these are sort of things that are being left behind now? People are living more open and, and embracing and different cultures, different backgrounds, different people, really, in terms mm-hmm. of that. I mean, you, yeah. know, you know, sometimes you see, you know, people... Uh, particularly before, you know, shock, shock stories in terms of some of the issues, you know, uh, the initiation ceremonies that people sometimes have, have had to do and all these sort of things. So has it become more professional in, in, in some aspects is, is the question that I'm asking from your perspective. I'd say it's a sector that's still on a journey. Yeah. I'll be completely honest. I think when you're talking about some of the initiation, it was often talked yeah. about as banter. Yeah. Um, a little bit of banter. And yeah. it was talking about, you know, some of the behaviours that there would be. And a lot of that's around the power. It's often around power dynamics yeah. as well. And people trying to fit in. Yeah. So people are trying to fit in. So people would, would get engaged perhaps in behaviours that yeah. they wouldn't do normally. Yeah because they're trying to fit in. Mm. And again, for me, talking about levelling the playing field and equality is around actually if we're diverse and we're respectful, we accept people who they are and we we don't need some of that banter in the way that there was. It does still go on. It is something that the the sector as a whole is looking at and, and does discuss. 
and it is something that the sector is, is you know, still working through. I mean, as a sector generally, if we think particularly mm. about ethnicity, for example, yeah. the electric tech, the building services engineering yeah. sector that we work in is still predominantly, uh, it's 94% uh, of trades professionals identify as white British. Mm. You and I both know that the census came out last year. Yeah. UK society in the UK now, uh, just under 19% of people in the UK identifies coming from a, a black, Asian or minority ethnic community. Yeah. There are still challenges, there are still perceptions that, that need to be addressed, but it is changing. But the industry is wanting to change itself. When you take, you know, we talked to some of the larger organisations in particular, they very, very much are wanting to see change. They are addressing things. One of the big things I've seen in the last few years has been a big shift actually in some of the dialogue that we're starting to see, whereas historically you could talk to people about banter and people go, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it happens, but but it was almost people sort of yeah. sort of put their head in their hands a little bit and said, oh, yeah, it happens, but we don't really want to deal with it. Uh, or, oh, it can't be that bad to people actually now going, actually, do you know what? That's not right. That's not what we want. And the industry turning around saying, that's not the sector we want to be. And that is a real shift that I'm starting to see actually in the conversations that we're having. People saying, so what do we do about it? How can we change it? Because we don't want people to say, forget it, I'm not going to work here. I don't need to be treated like this or it's been expected to treat people that way. I've also seen as well, I think there's been a big dialogue, especially post, I think probably during and post COVID, one of the big things in the construction sector and particularly in, in, in building engineering services, has been a lot of conversation about things like mental health and well-being mm. and I mean, amazing work that organisations like the Electrical Industries Charity have done. You know, you've got the Lighthouse Charity out there as well. But lots of conversations, the whole Mates in Mind initiative that has been happening as well. And again, it's sort of very much an ethos that I would take is it's about having conversations about things. It's about being willing to sit down and talk about some of the tough stuff. And I do see the sector really wanting to start to do this more. And that is one of the things that is really fundamental, I think, in terms of driving change. Okay. I mean, JTL as an organisation seems to be uh, involved with quite a few initiatives and supporting a lot of causes. I mean, there's a whole raft of lists that you know you, you've sub- you subscribed to, uh, whether it's just being disability confident or modern slavery or diversity initiatives regarding females or, mm-hmm. or the, the multicultural sort of agenda. And then in addition to that, you've got a lot of collaborations, a lot of yeah. partnership work, very much open-facing and so forth. Is, is that a conscious thing? Do you think that's happened because of uh, individuals within the organisation? Or you know, how, where's that sort of drive coming from? Yeah, Rachel? absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, JTL, we are, as I said, we're very proud of the fact that, you know, we're a disability confident employer. We're a member of WISE, so Women in Science and Engineering. Obviously, um, the Multicultural Apprentice Alliance is very, very much a key part of JTR and mm. we've been members of the Alliance effectively yes, since, since day one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, thank you. And, <coughs> and also the awards. You, and you know. the awards as well. You know, I mean, we're patrons, obviously, you know, yeah. Julie Asher-Smith, our HR yeah. director, is, yeah. is one of the judges. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're a sponsor um, for, for the awards as well. You're also active on the Festival of Apprenticeship as a lawyer. Yeah, Festival of Apprenticeship. So, you know, when we were first approached about that, we said, yeah. okay, let's give it a go. <laughs> let's get involved and see how it would work. Yeah. And for us, it's around, as I said, you know, when we were talking um, back at the top of the, the, the time on this, Sam, yeah. 
one of our objectives is around trying to influence the sector. So mm. this very much does come from, it comes from our exec, it comes from, from our board um, in terms of saying, what are we looking to do to try and change? But also organisationally, it's something we're saying, actually, this is important for us. I often view it, and when, I, when I'm at staff induction, well, one of the things I say is I see myself as being in a very, very privileged position because I get to sit and talk to new colleagues. I'm getting to sit and talk to new colleagues who are going to go out and support our apprentices. If we talked about the fact that we have around 400 staff in the organisation, we have around 8,000 apprentices we assess. Absolutely. I view that that we have 8,400 change agents working in the industry. And for me, that is 8,400 people who are going out and having the conversations around how do we ensure that we're leveling the playing field for people? How do we ensure that people are being treated, you know, in a, a respectful manner? Um, how do we ensure that, you know, we are challenging historical perceptions about the sector on a day-to-day -day basis? So I would say that from JTL, it's kind of, it, it comes from the heart of the organisation. One of our core values is respect. You know, integrity, professionalism, respect and responsiveness are, are our core values. And I'd say that respect and the dignity that goes with that is something that is absolutely fundamental. I think we're very, very privileged as an organisation. As an organisation, we are supporting and helping develop the next generation in our industry that, that we support. And in terms of ensuring that it is respectful and diverse and that we really are doing everything that we realistically can to influence the organisations we work with around doing everything that they can to do that. I see that as a real privilege that we get to do that. At the end of the day, I don't employ the apprentices. We work in an organisation that assesses the apprentices. Mm. But what we want to do is have the conversations with their employers around, this is how you continue to evolve the sector and this is how we can make it much more diverse. And, you know, I mean, I, I won't go into the business case behind diversity because – You've been doing these podcasts for many times, and many people have done that already. Sam, no, no, so, absolutely. absolutely. So, no, no, thank, thank, thank you for that, Rachel. Uh, I was going through the uh, strategic report for uh, for JTL as part of my bedtime reading in preparation for this, and uh, there's about six pages all about environmental. Uh, sort of concerns and the impact that uh, JTL was doing, and you know, I know you're a data person, but there's numbers and numbers there in terms of targets and and aspirations and 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 sort of a vision. It's very strong on the environmental sort of concerns, and then that sort of dominates conversation generally. Mm. Again, reading this, I'm thinking this is definitely uh, some leadership here. We're, again, obviously, there's an element in terms of JTL in, as a, as an employer. There's a JTL in terms of the, the the training provider, but then there's also the sector itself, mm. uh, very much environmental, very much in terms of the the targets that we've got, and also the direction of travel. That, that's changing within sort of these green jobs that, you know, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll put that in sort of quotation marks, but the green jobs and the green apprenticeships and, and the opportunities that are that are there. Mm. It's a very exciting time. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, it's really interesting. You, you touch on that, Saf, as I know you're aware, I think it was the electrotechnical apprenticeship is mm. a, a green apprenticeship yeah. now. And we have just recently launched one of our um, recruitment campaigns, yeah. which is talking about uh, the green agenda. So, for example, if you talk to a lot of young people these days about things that are important when they're considering a career choice, 
I go back to my so what. It's like people will say, well, so what is my career going to do? So what influence am I going to have? And particularly also in things like the environmental factor. If I'm becoming an electrician or a plumber, for example, you know, I could be working with solar panel technologies. I can be working with, you know, ground and air source heat pumps. I can be working with things in my trade that are directly having an impact on the UK environment and on on the society that we live in. And that's pretty exciting. So not only do I need to understand perhaps, you know, working in a a 14th century building, but 14th century building that's got solar panels. Yeah, absolutely. And so the opportunities, I think, in terms of how it can support the, the sector, and particularly when, you know, I in the conversations I have with apprentices, the environmental side is something that is very, very important for a lot of people coming into the sector because it feels like an opportunity to help in terms of where we're going on the green agenda in terms of, and you're installing things in, in people's homes or, or, or in offices or buildings where, you know, it, it, it's having an impact impact on on our climate and the environment that we all live and work in i mean i, I would recommend to our listeners if if you're interested and and why wouldn't you particularly in terms of some of the changes search jtl on the charities commission website and you'll find the document uh which is a trustees annual report which includes a strategic report and it goes into a, a lot of detail there which i think is is fantastic reading particularly with regard to the the green agenda or some of the challenges mm. that, are, that are happening there's a lot of information on the website as well but particularly this report this which is you know publicly available on the charity commission website is definitely well worth read uh there's going to be nuggets there particularly if any if anybody who's, who's got aspirations to to look at the opportunities within the environmental sector as a whole you don't have to be from from our sector uh, or from from the building engineering services sector to pick up nuggets of learning and nugget, nuggets of gold you know and again i've i've marked uh, a number of pages where there's some takeaways for for myself as well and our organization and and some of the other organizations we're working with Rachel, if I may, can I come back to yourself a little bit in terms of some of the conversations we're having, particularly with regard to you being a, a thought leader, influencer in this particular sector, and I've you know truly uh, you know, hats off to you in terms of some of the work that you're doing. But you know, you're telling me that you're also at the same time doing volunteering work and doing a lot of other activities as well, extracurricular activities, yeah. if I can say. <laughs> so you know, tell tell me what's going on in the life of Rachel at the moment. What, how many hats are you currently wearing? How many hats do you wear? Yeah. <laughs> oh, far yeah. too many. Yeah. Um, I think, well, um, as we say, Saf, I mean, some of the things that I've been doing in terms of, of volunteering and outside activities have, have shifted over the years. Yeah. Um, I'm still very, very, uh, very passionate about, I, I believe everybody should be able to take opportunities that they've yeah. that are available to them. So um, I am still involved with various networks supporting women in terms of career development. A lot of this tends to be more online now, but I'm, I'm I'm involved with various things like Sister Sister Network. Also, I am a volunteer locally. Uh, some of the work I do is not really related to my role at all, but I actually help run um, an antenatal class. Wow. Um, and part of the reason I do that is because from a social mobility perspective, I was uh, quite taken aback by the fact that lots of, of, of new and expectant parents these days can't necessarily mm. get... Uh, those services unless they pay for them. Um, And so the financial inequality of that was something that uh, was a a little bit of a challenge. Uh, As we mentioned, that's on the volunteering side, but I think my other sort of, it's not necessarily voluntary, but I also uh, currently have the role of uh, being the taxi driver in terms of... (laughs) 
<laughs> taking a team everywhere and supporting them as they get ready for their uh, next steps in their career. And when I can from time to time, I, I, I do still like to get down to the water if I can. More to poke my toes in it these days than necessarily get on a boat. But uh, I, I think I still do have a couple of boat races, left, a couple of yacht races left in me. So uh, that's something I'm hoping to get back to. I want to ask a question, but which I know the answer to. And uh, you, you obviously moved from the the corporate sector, uh, the private sector, into more of a public public mm. sort of arena and and into sort of a, a social sort of purpose type arena. Any mm. any regrets? Any any thoughts? Any things? You know, uh, what if life was still in that sort of you know? I'm not going to say fast lane, but in yeah. that sort of different. It's a different lane. It's not yeah. necessarily fast lane. You know, what would life be like in that sort of corporate world? Yeah. I- I think it's really interesting you asked that. I mean, I, I talked to sort of uh, friends and colleagues of mine who, who stayed more in that corporate environment and perhaps I would have been doing things slightly differently. But I think for me, the big thing is one of my drivers, if we go way yeah. back to, it was this, you know, I want yeah. to go to university yeah. or uh, when I go back to, you know, my degree was – I have been so lucky and I think I've been so privileged in that I've had opportunities. I was the first in my family to go to university. Yeah. I had people turn around to me and say things like, for example, I know we were joking about the fact that, you know, I've, I've done a spot of sailing. Yeah. And in the past, I remember somebody saying to me, oh, you know, girls don't do that. So just to prove a point, because I can be a little bit stubborn, I did go off and do the Sydney Hobart Yacht Race. And I've, I've been somebody who I've had people around me and have supported me with a a can do you can do things differently you can challenge perceptions you can go in the direction you want and I've been lucky enough to have people around me who have either amplified my message or supported me and so for me moving from the corporate world into the world I am now what I hope is that I've had an opportunity to take some of those skills and opportunities that I've been given and try and use that to support other people and that for me is what it's about it's about leveling the playing field rachel i'm just going to say a few words and then i want to let let you have the last word to a certain level uh just for our audience you know you and i or uh our organizations have been working together for five years plus Mm -hmm. now and uh you've started a working relationship with jag since since last year and, Mm -hmm. and jag uh, and I, whenever we talk about our patrons, he's always mentioning your your name every <laughs> single time we have a meeting, because I think you care. You know, yeah. you make you want to make a difference. Mm. You're asking the right questions. You're mm. making the impact. You're always open minded. You know, we knocked on the door in terms of speaking with you about festival apprenticeships. You said, why not? Let's give it a go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're supporting both sides on the multicultural apprenticeship alliance in terms of the conversations we're having with regard to advocacy, policy, the engagement element of it, but also at the same time, the celebratory part in terms mm. of you know showcasing role models and so forth. Mm. You've never said no to us in terms <laughs> of any opportunity. Uh, you're a very open-hearted person, open-minded, and it's been a pleasure in terms of working with you, helping each other to move on the the diversity agenda and social purpose agenda. And I just want to thank you in terms of, from my Multicultural Apprenticeship Alliance hat, from my Multicultural Apprenticeship Awards hat, and then my Festival Apprenticeship hat, (laughs) to say thank you so much for all that support you're doing. In terms of this particular podcast, it's been a pleasure in terms of listening to some of the stories. You know, I was uh, lucky to have an interchange with you prior to to the podcast, and it was just fascinating in some some elements of it. Unfortunately, we can't capture all of it here. (laughs) But what I would say is that, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've learned 
bucket loads in terms of <laughs> in terms of that. And we've got a lot more in common in some aspects, mm. Rachel, even though we come from different backgrounds mm. and, and so forth. But a lot more in common than mm. you might you might think. And just some final words in terms of anything you wish to say in terms of this particular podcast or our relationship or any words of encouragement or advice for people who, who may be listening to you and that you wish to share, Rachel. Yeah, well, well, first of all, Saf, I would say a big thank you to yourselves and obviously the Multicultural Apprentice Alliance team, Multicultural Apprentice Awards team, and obviously the Festival yeah. Apprenticeships <laughs> as well. Shall thank, we carry on? Th- th- thank, you, um, thank you for the plug there. <laughs> thank you. Much appreciated. Um, <laughs> but I think it's it, it's around the fact that it's great having organisations like yourself that JTL can link with because I believe a huge part of what the Apprenticeship Alliance does is it helps amplify the message. It's about the fact that, you know, we're talking with other organisations, we're working with organisations, and and through yourselves we're engaging, you know, with with young people. We're looking at education, but not just of education, it's educating employers and ourselves as well. And I have to say one of the big things for me that I think is really, really positive is the work around advocacy and policy. As as you've been saying, one of the things we joked about at the top of this is, my tombstone's going to have the word so what on it. <laughs> and one of the so what's for me in terms of some of the work we do is around the fact that we're having those dialogues, we're having those conversations, and we're looking to try and influence and have positive change so that everybody can have the most amazing career in whatever sector they want to work in, doing the role that they always wanted to do. They might not have known they wanted to do it first of all, but they have those opportunities. What I would just say to anybody else in the sector who is listening is, you know, for yourselves in your organisations as leaders, as managers, as influencers, keep listening to people, keep listening to what's being said, but important, please hear what people are saying to you as well. Uh, You know, being authentic to yourself can be pretty hard at times because it means Mm. you need to be vulnerable. Yeah. And being vulnerable isn't easy. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. But only by, you know, being vulnerable and listening and then saying, what can I do? Where is my voice? How can I use my voice? And how can I amplify messages to support people? That's how we change things. And every day we learn and we learn and we learn. Uh, I think uh, one of the things I remember is somebody said to me, the hardest thing is to find faults in yourself. And it's not necessarily fault, it's about improvements and, yeah. and continuously improving and on that journey. But we can only do that if we're, you know, we've got good peers around us, good support structure, people who are challenging, people mm-hmm. who are supporting, the right level of challenge and support. And there's no doubt, Rachel, you know, you have that. You have the right level of challenge, you have the right level of support. You've done that with us you. and you've done that here at JTL and you're doing that within that sector. So we salute you, we thank you and we appreciate the work that you do. Thank, thank you, you, Rachel. Thank you very much, Saf. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Rachel for sharing her wide knowledge and experience with us. And of course, so much of her valuable time as well. Next time, Safraz will be in conversation with Jan Richardson-Wild, the Chief Executive Officer and Managing Director of Occupational Awards Limited. So if you don't want to miss that, remember to subscribe and follow us. If you are new to the podcast, let me tell you, there are already 65 other Canny Conversations podcast episodes out there. And you can listen to all those past episodes by searching for Canny Conversations on your preferred podcast platform or go to 1386audio.com forward slash have a listen. We'd also like you to review, subscribe and follow the podcast and please tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you'd like to know more, then go to cannyconversationspodcast.co.uk 
or go to Safraz's website, safraz.co.uk. Safraz has also written a series of easy to follow business books, Canny Bites. And these are available from cannybites.co.uk forward slash buy the book. As I said, we'll be back next week with part one of our conversation between Safraz and Jan Richardson Wild from OAL. So until then, we hope you have a good week. This is a 1386 audio production. 